Welcome to the Nation's Church Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. Luke 17 verse 11, the text reads this. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. Say, thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Can we give Jesus a big shout of praise for the incredible text? (laughs) Grab your seat, everyone. Grab your seat right across the stream. Today, I want to speak to you on the thought entitled to thankfulness. Entitled to thankfulness. It is a little bit of a play on words, but I want to set you up today for the remaining time that I've got to kind of finish your 2023 and start your 2024 with a prophetic posture that I believe will attract the favor of God, but also keep you in the favor of God. Amen. This is an account where uh, Jesus on his ministry travels comes across 10 lepers, and it's a unique geographical location. It's not an accident that uh, the gospel writer Luke actually details that it's a border town sandwiched between Samaria to the north and Galilee to the south. And there were these 10 lepers. Now, you've got to understand, 10, these leprosy back in that first century had a particular stigma to it. People were uh, grossly disfigured. They were also considered to be highly uh, contagious. And so they were rejected by society. They were considered unclean and uh, society wanted nothing to do with them. And so here is Jesus and he comes upon this border town between Samaria and Galilee. Now, you also need to know that contextually, the Samaritans from Samaria and the Jews that lived in Galilee and further south, all of Israel, did not mix. They were kind of sworn enemies, if you like, societally. There was some awkwardness between them. Don't have time to go into all of that. But in this particular account, there seems to be in this leper colony a mixture of Jews and uh, Samaritans cohabiting or living together in a communal way because they all shared one thing in common, that they all had leprosy. Isn't it? Don't, don't you find it a little bit uh, interesting that, that sometimes the very thing that causes us to find our people are the common dysfunctions we share with each other? The common outrages or the common offenses that we might, we ordinarily wouldn't hang out with people like that, but sometimes we find our people based on the, on the shared brokenness that we sometimes have. Now, Jesus comes along to this border town where in this really unique leprosy com, uh, commune that they had, he comes and changes everything. He stumbles upon these 10. He says to them, I want you to go and, 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 and see the priests and show yourself to them. And as they went, the Bible says that they were cleansed. Now, you've got to understand that leprosy is not the kind of disease that takes a little while before you realize you're actually healed. When you are healed of leprosy, you immediately know that you're healed because your nose reforms. Your ears just pop back into being. Makes sense to you. So it's not an accident that, that, that these nine out of the 10 did not come back. It's not that they didn't realize they were healed, that what was going on here. And Jesus then goes on to describe this one particular leper that comes back 
to give thanks as a Samaritan or a foreigner. So it's probably fair for us to assume that the other nine out of the 10 lepers that were healed were Jews. Here is the thing. Jesus identifies this one grateful or thankful leper that got healed as a Samaritan, but the other nine, most scholars would agree, were probably of Jewish descent. Could it be that the one Samaritan who felt thankful or had his heart filled with gratitude towards God was thankful because he knew that he was not deserving of even a conversation with a Jewish Messiah. And yet this Jewish Messiah grants him his healing. Could it be that the nine out of the 10 lepers of Jewish descent felt that because they were Jew and Jesus was a Jew, they were entitled to a healing from Jesus? Can I suggest to you today and submit to you today that we get to choose today what posture we want to end our year with and start the new year with. We can end the year with a posture of frustration or end the year with a posture of being apathetic towards what God has blessed us with. We could end the year disappointed. We could end the year, uh, you know, bitter or resentful or maybe just jaded or cynical because we feel like maybe at the end of 2023 as Christians, we should be entitled to better. We should be entitled to more. But I'm here to tell you today that you'll never be thankful for something for as long as you feel entitled to it. And so today, I'm going to preach a message that is going to bless your life. I feel it's going to also keep you in favor with God in the coming year. I believe that God is going to transition our church from entitled to thankfulness. Some of you are saying today, I came to church at the end of the year and I expected to hear a sermon about faith. Mountain moving faith. Or maybe you came to church today and you, you, you thought to yourself, oh, maybe PK is going to preach about how I'm going to fulfill the will of God in 2024. Well, those sermons are probably going to be coming, but this is what I felt the Lord wanted to speak to us about. Some of you might be here thinking, man, I really want to hear what the will of God is for my life next year. How many of you want to know what the will of God is for your life next year? Three of you, the rest of you don't care. Come on. Like the genuine heartfelt desire of your heart is, I want to know what the will of God is for my life in 2024. How many of you are with me? I'm praying that. I'm praying that across tonight as well. Well, it's in the Bible. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says this out of the Amplified Bible. Thank God in everything. What does everything mean? No matter what the circumstances may be, be thankful and give Thanks for this is the will of God for you who are in Christ Jesus, the revealer and mediator of that will. Right here is my sermon. If you want to know what the will of God for your life for 2024 is, be thankful. If you want to know how to fulfill the will, some of you are going, what? Is that all? Well, start there. Come on, somebody. Bad circumstance, good circumstance. Good year, terrible year. Just be thankful. So I hear people say all the time, man, I want to go deeper in the Word of God next year. I want greater revelation. Why would God give us greater revelation when we can't even apply the simple revelation of being thankful? Come on, somebody. Right? In 2024, it's time to turn down the complaints and turn up the thankfulness. It's time to turn down the ranting and the whinging and turn up the gratefulness. When was the last time you were truly thankful for your life? Like, like not just for all the good things that God had done, 
But what about just being thankful generally for just you being saved? When was the last time you were just grateful for God being God? And if you think about it, if you actually genuinely think about your life, you have so much to be thankful for. Did you, can I ask you this question, when you drove to church across all our different campuses today and you drove to a first world facility with air conditioning, in your air conditioned car, to worship freely without persecution, did you even stop to thank God or did you feel entitled to it? When we come in a situation like this and and in environments like this, are you thankful for the clothes that you've got, for the full stomachs that we all have after Christmas? Some of our stomachs are a little too full, I see. Come on now. How many of you are grateful for running water this morning when you got in the shower? Most of you that did shower this morning, right? I don't know about you, but I woke up this morning with breath in my lungs and I don't deserve it and I'm grateful for it. Thank God. I woke up this morning with kids to hug and a wife that loves me and a house and a roof over my head. Thank God. When was the last time you actually stopped to be thankful in 2024 if you want to fulfill the call of God on your life, if you want to fulfill the will of God on your life, be thankful. Come on, somebody. Ten lepers all got the same healing, all got the same blessing. Nine out of ten felt that they were entitled to it, did not return. Only one understood the deep revelation that I am not entitled to this. This is a blessing from God. Jesus identified it in this man and said, go and be made whole. You know, sometimes you can be blessed, but still stay broken because you're ungrateful. Oh man, that's a whole different sermon altogether. But if you want to end 2023 right in the middle of the will of God, give thanks. If you want to start 2024 right in the middle of the will of God, give thanks. Come on, somebody. And I believe that the greatest enemy, often of first world people, the greatest enemy of thankfulness or having that deep posture of thankfulness is entitlement. We actually feel like we're entitled to more. And the things, the good things that we do have from God, we should have that. We're entitled to it. Can I suggest to you today that the only thing that we're entitled outside of the will of God, outside of the covering of God, the only thing that we're entitled to have is eternal death? Thank God that everything else from there comes from God. All good things come from Him. Come on, somebody shout amen. And the first thing that we need to recognize when we struggle with thankfulness is this, that entitlement is actually the offspring of pride. Entitlement is actually the offspring of pride because pride tells you that the world revolves around you. Everybody has to work around your feelings, your emotions, your wants, your agenda, your points of view, your way of seeing the world. You're the victim. You're the hard done by person. You need a better deal. You deserve a better deal. You deserve a better outcome. The focus is always you, 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 you. That's what pride does. And when you then transpose that pride onto your Christian walk, you feel like God deserves to give you more, that he needs to work around your feelings and your agenda. He needs to bless you better. and He needs to, you know, work things out the way that you want him to work out. But, and if you're struggling to be thankful, then maybe the real issue, if you would be really honest with yourself, is that you're dealing with pride. Do you do your Christianity with the cross under your feet or do you do your Christianity kneeling at the foot of the cross? Because I guarantee you, There are never any complaints at the foot of the cross, only worship. 
There's never any ranting or raving or whinging at the foot of the cross. But if you live your Christianity with your foot on the cross and the cross under your feet, you will always be feeling like entitled to that the cross should do more for you. That Jesus should give you more. That your life should be better than this. Come on, somebody. We can all find something to be thankful for. I need a resounding amen from someone today. The second thing we need to realize is that thankfulness is the offspring of humility. Just like entitlement is the offspring of pride, thankfulness is the offspring of humility. If you walk in humility, you'll never stop being thankful. That's because humility and pride are both opposite ends of the posture spectrum. They're opposite ends of the positional spectrum. And because of that, because they are on opposite ends of the positional spectrum, they both have different vantage points. What do I mean by that? I mean that if you have the posture of humility and thankfulness, you're going to see the world really differently. When you have the posture of pride and entitlement, you're going to see the world completely differently to the posture of thankfulness. I'm not talking about having a low self-esteem. I'm talking about having a low position when it comes to your relationship with God and with people. Paul says this in Romans 12, verse 3, For I say, through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. That's where entitlement comes in. But to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. In other words, if I struggle with this area of pride, if I struggle to be thankful, if I struggle walking in humility because I think too highly of myself, because I think I deserve more, I expect more from you, God. I expect more from you, um, my friend. I expect to be treated better. I expect to be honored more. I expect to be recognized. I expect to be acknowledged. If I think of myself that way, God is actually saying, hey, you're a little drunk. Sober up. It's time to get a little sober because your position, your vantage point is wrong. The reason why you struggle with thankfulness is because you're not thinking soberly. And God says, walk in humility and thankfulness will flow out of you. Can we give God a big shout of praise today? It's, this is such an incredible key to unlock in your coming year. I think sometimes as believers, we can walk too much in entitlement. We walk too much thinking. We do. It's great to believe for more, but it is wrong to feel entitled to more. Yeah. You're catching this? Yeah. It's great to have faith for more, but it's actually wrong to feel entitled to more. Everything that we get is because of the grace of God. Come on, somebody needs to be on my page today. We obviously just celebrated Christmas, and when we think of the Christmas account, the one person I'm constantly being drawn to in the whole Christmas account, obviously it's the birth of Jesus, and Jesus is central to the Christmas account, but the one person I'm constantly being drawn to have been for the last month or so has been Mary. Have you thought about, I preached a little bit, I alluded to this at, our, at the Myri Christmas Eve services, but have you thought a little bit about Mary's situation? If you actually think about Mary for a moment, here is God, and he's got the divine plan to rescue or save humanity from all of humanity's fallenness, brokenness, and sin. And so divinity had to come in human skin. And for divinity to come in human skin, he had to come through a female human. And so he had to choose one female human. And of all the women in the world at the time, he picked Mary. Have you ever asked yourself, why Mary? Why her? Why this girl? We don't actually know a lot about Mary's personal history, but what we do know is 
the posture with which and the heart with which she brought into this whole deal of carrying Jesus. Now, from historical texts, most scholars agree that she was young, possibly a teenager or a young adult, never married, never been intimate with a man. We also know that she had a deep love for God, and I think that's why she was chosen. But I want you to think for a bit. Immerse yourself in the Christmas story. Here is a young teenage girl who's never been married. Now, it's quite reasonable for us all to assume that young teenage girls for thousands of years have had an impression or an idea of how their life would turn out as they play their life forward. Make sense to you, right? Now, I don't know of any young 16, 17, 18, 19 year old girl that has ever thought of herself, wouldn't it be awesome one day for an angel to randomly appear to me and tell me that you won't actually ever get married or be intimate with a man before you conceive a child, and this will do your head in, right? But when you conceive the child, you're then actually gonna go on the run as a refugee to Egypt because like Herod's assassins are gonna come and try and kill the baby you're about. Come on, somebody. And that your first honeymoon night is gonna be in a manger with animals. I don't know any young teenage girl that would have ever thought that that's how their life would turn out. Now, if this was any other person, can you imagine the whinging and the ranting and the raving? Come on, because this is not what anyone would have imagined. Now, even reading the text of the gospel story, you would go, man, Mary, you had a rough deal. You deserve better. This, was, this is not right. How could God treat you that way? Right? We pick up the account in Luke 1, 28, right? Right? And I reckon, I reckon Mary even knew that she had the rough deal because it says this, the angel of the Lord went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Verse 29, Mary was greatly troubled at his words <laughs> and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. She was a smart one, this Mary. Here is Gabriel. He goes, now he's all like Sunday morning greeter like, right? You know, he comes to her and says, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary's face. She knew something was up. Yeah. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Greetings! Highly favored one. <laughs> the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you, who are, to call, you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of the Father David. Gabriel's working hard to sell this, man. He's working real hard. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked, since I am a virgin? Great question. The angel answered, well, um, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And then like Gabriel throws this in as a bit of a sweetener, as if it's going to make Mary feel a little better. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who, who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. So here's Mary. She's hearing this, right? Now she's getting the rough end of the deal. Now I don't know about you, but if this was any other Young girl, she'd probably be asking, well, what, what, what about the wedding? What about the six bridal expos I've been to? Come on, was that a waste of time? I've finally settled on the dress I want. What about the outdoor, what about the outdoor wedding in the winery, Gabriel? We've seen all the beautiful photos in the magazine. We paid a deposit. <laughs> and here is Gabriel. And he's telling Mary 
all of the things that she will be doing, all the things that are going to be happening to her life that was so far circumstantially from anything she'd imagine. Now, if it was any other girl, I reckon, if, any, if, it was, if this was like a different scenario for anyone, we would have whinged and complained because we would have felt we we're entitled to more, entitled to be treated better. And yet when we read Scripture, this is what Mary's posture was like. In verse 38, she says, I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, may your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Not only did she not complain, she complied. And now she goes and visits her cousin Elizabeth, who herself is six months pregnant with a baby who then becomes John the Baptist. A whole different story altogether. Yeah. You know, but somehow they intertwine. No, don't have time for that. But when Mary got to Elizabeth's house, now you can imagine the angel has just broken this radical, crazy news to Mary. She, w- she couldn't tell anyone. Have you ever tried to tell a secret to a girl? <laughs> she couldn't tell anyone. Now you would have thought that, that she would have been bursting out of her chest to get to, to Elizabeth's house so she could rant about it. You can't believe what the angel said to me. It's like, oh my gosh. Like, oh no. But when she gets to Elizabeth's house, what poured out of her was a song. And she says this, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth, All generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. Can I ask you today, what song are you ending 2023 with? What's the song in your heart that you are finishing 2023 with? Is it Shannon Knowles, What About Me? It isn't fair. For those of you around the world, court particularly, you don't know who Shannon Knowles is, you're not missing out on anything. <laughs> but what's the song in your heart that you're finishing 2023 with? Is it What About Me? It isn't fair. I've had enough now. I want my share. Or is it give thanks with a grateful heart? And now let the weak say, I am strong. I know which song attracts the favor of God. Can I suggest to you today, sing the right song to finish your year. Sing the right song to start your year. Because the kingdom of God is a kingdom of truth that is not bound by circumstance. My end of the year message to you today is very simple. Be thankful in everything, as scripture says. No matter the circumstance, be thankful. Magnify the Lord. Because even the things that you think are bad, God is actually working for good. The things you think are a setback, God is just setting you up for a comeback. It looks like life may have punched you in the face in 2023. Give thanks anyway. Come on, somebody. The truth is that God is not tethered to your circumstance for you to judge whether he's good or not. He's good regardless. He's not tethered to whether you judge you've had a great year in 2023 or not. He's still on the throne. Come on, somebody. Humanity is fallen. Humanity is sinful. The world is broken. Satan is evil and seeks the downfall of all mankind, including you and I. But that does not negate the truth that God is good and he is worthy of our thanksgiving today. I'll tell you why giving thanks sits right in the middle of the will of God. Thankfulness 
changes the atmosphere of your life. Do you know that? So many people try and spend millions of dollars, billions of dollars globally right now. People are trying to deal with anxiety and depression through medication, through pharmaceutical means. People are trying, and there's nothing wrong with that. I just, I, I believe in medication. People are spending squillions of dollars trying to find in the pursuit of inner peace or some kind of way of calming the chaos and the, in, and the torment on the inside of them. But when we begin to switch from entitlement to thankfulness, the atmosphere in our lives changes. Paul says this, Philippians 4 verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, rant to God. Does it say that? By prayer and petition with thanksgiving. We'd like to leave that out. With thanksgiving, present your requests to God. How many times do we present our requests to God without thanksgiving? And then we wonder why the rest of the verse doesn't happen for us. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We all want the peace of God, but no one wants to pray with thanksgiving. We all desire the peace that transcends or surpasses all understanding. Come on, somebody. But we don't want to pray with thanksgiving. Fill our heart with thanksgiving. The atmosphere of your life changes, not because your circumstance changes, but because you change. Why does God want to tell you that His will for your life is to give thanks? Because being thankful changes you. Oh, come on, I thought you'd be excited by that. But why? It doesn't change my circumstance. It may change your circumstance or it may not. But the thing that thanksgiving does is that it changes you. Come on, somebody. Some of us need to go from overthinking our lives to overthanking God. Just shift from overthinking to overthinking. Oh, I'm ruminating over all this stuff, all the things that haven't happened to me, and I'm all my disappointment, and all my offense, and all, it's just, it's too late now, another year has passed, and I'm all depressed because uh, nothing has changed. You're overthinking it. Why don't you just start to overthink Him? Because that is the will of God. I don't know why your wife is the way she is. I don't know why your husband is the way he is. I don't know why your boss is the way that they are. Neither do you. Thank God anyway. I don't know why your kids are the way they are. Neither do you. Thank God anyway. I don't know why your healing still hasn't come this year. Neither do you. Thank God anyway. I don't know why things haven't worked out the way you hoped this year. Neither do you. Thank God anyway. If you want to walk in perfect peace, be thankful. Move from entitlement to thankfulness. This is going to unlock some things in your life, somebody. You're going to go, oh man, well, I want something deeper. No, start with the shallow first. At least apply the shallow first. What's the point of knowing so much more of the book? when you can't even apply the simple things in the book. It's so clear, Paul says, church in Thessalonica, if you wanna know what the will of God is, then in every circumstance, good or bad, persecution or no persecution, comfort or discomfort, hunger or abundance, give thanks, give thanks. Can I suggest to you today that the Samaritan leper Mary, Paul's writings, all point to the single message for every believer here at Nations Church to end 2023 and to start 2024. Be thankful. Be thankful. And sometimes we think that thankfulness 
is for the benefit of God. How many of you know that whether we're grateful to Him or not doesn't change how great He is? But we're thankful because it changes us. Can we give God a big shout of praise today? Musicians, come and join me. Musicians, come and join me. Wonderful. Right now, can we just give a big hand to Cork? Love you guys. We're going to release you right now for your local leaders rolling on the end to take it from here. Come on, why don't we stand to our feet every campus right now and online. Change your posture. Change your posture. Wonderful. God is so good. God is so good. Whether you've had a good year or not, God is so good. Four of you believe that. Come on. Regardless of whatever circumstance you're taking towards the end of the year that might be adverse or challenging right now, God is still good. He's still worthy of our gratitude. He's still worthy of our thankfulness. If you've got breath in your lungs, know that you are not entitled to it. You're not entitled to it. It's but by His grace. So many of us have forgotten where we could possibly even be right now if not for the grace of God. Thanks for listening to the Nations Church podcast. For more info, please visit nationschurch.com. Thank you.